This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear are so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. I'm Yasi Salek, and I'm the host of Bandsplain, a show where we explain cult bands and iconic artists by going deep into their histories and discographies. We're back with a brand new season at our brand new home, the Ringer Podcast Network, tackling a whole new batch of artists, from grunge gods to power pop pioneers to new metal legends, and many, many more. Listen to new episodes every Thursday, only on Spotify. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Lippman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. Hello, Amanda. Once again, we're in the same room and it feels great, albeit weird. It, okay. But is it weird, like, to see me? No, of course not. Okay. I saw you I just, last week, too. But, yeah. like, I just mean, it's just so funny. We're just, like, you know, we were remote. And then you are off. And now here we are in person. It feels surreal almost, honestly. That is true. I guess it's been like two and a half years since we were doing this regularly. Yeah, I know. So anyway, you know, it feels great. You know what I was thinking about What's sort that? of fondly the other day was it was the early days of Mexit before mm. things got ugly, as, as horribly ugly as they are. And I, they were ugly in sure. some ways. If you were a reader of the Daily Mail, they were ugly from the beginning. But we recorded on a Sunday in my old kitchen. Yeah. Remember that? Great times. That was really fun. Thank, hope you all were listening then. Yeah. By the way, I've totally like quit Royal News. I was about to say I have too, but I ordered a book from the UK about oh, wow. uh, called Courtiers. So oh. I haven't quit at all. <laughs> What's Courtiers about? It's about all the people behind the scenes who, all of the people with mustaches in the crown, essentially. Cool. And all of okay. the ridiculous stuff that they do, but they also have access to a tremendous amount of gossip because right. everyone just talks right. in front of them all of the time. Do they sign NDAs or is it just like an oath? Just like, it's like being like a Game of Thrones king's guard. I actually don't know if NDAs have been introduced into the scheme. If they are, they're the worst enforced NDAs on planet Earth because like historically they are... Th- like all the below stairs people. I think I think also if you aren't that rich and you don't have that much to lose. Yeah. An NDA is probably not that powerful because it's like, what are you going to do? Sue me for right. all that I have. But like a regular person, you know, I think obviously it's not good, but I just think it's a, lo- it's a lot more powerful against someone who's like has a ton to lose. 
There is a very weird psychology among all these people who work for the royal family and consider it like a knighthood, right? You know, yeah, that's why that's why I was like the King's Guard. Sure, you don't watch Game of Thrones, so you don't get that joke. But whatever. Who was in the King's Guard? I watched some of you. Brienne was was oh she's great. I love her. She was Sansa and Arya as like caretaker. But now the King's Guard is a big part of House of the Dragon. Yeah, I quit that after three episodes. They get a lot of time. That show's really boring. This past week, you know what I will say? Just plug for our colleagues. I don't love House of the Dragon, but I do think that Talk of Thrones with Mal, Joe, and Chris is like so fun mm-hmm. that it makes the show a lot more enjoyable. So there's that. I regularly listen to our colleagues talk about television shows that I do not watch and will never watch and frankly have no interest in. Mm-hmm. And I think they're really great at what they do. So I completely endorse that. <laughs> Should we talk about some celebrity news? Yes. Celebrity topics? Number one. I feel like that was just like a real food news segue. <laughs> You know, like in person, the energy is a lot <laughs> higher. Can I just a vibe shift? Can I do a plug for Food News? Sure. Before, as like a home, like a number one fan of Food News, I keep <laughs> up every week, and then I text you my feedback. Thank you and so much. I don't know whether you're annoyed by that. No, I love or, it. But it, you guys do that in person, and there's it's a real professional segue from you every time, and I really enjoy <laughs> it. And I just felt like you were in the driver's seat again. And if you aren't listening to Food News on Ringer Food, yeah, check it out. Juliet and David Jacoby comes out on Fridays. I send a lot of suggestions for taste tests and my own personal food news. It hasn't yet made it, but I might start listen. I might start sending emails to the email Please address, do. which I can never remember. I think it's personalfoodnews at gmail.com. I think it might be listenerfoodnews oh, yeah, at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> I literally can't remember it. I don't know why. But listener food news at gmail.com. Check it out. That's very nice, Amanda. Thank you. Let's talk about Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen. Yeah. They're getting divorced. Sure are. They, it's getting a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. I I have a take I've been workshopping. Oh, this is exciting. I would say Tom Brady, who I despise, is an above average celebrity father. And I here's I have one I have one piece of one crucial piece of evidence okay. about this. Okay, go ahead. First of all, him as a father has been like much discussed for several reasons because he cheated on Bridget Moynihan when I believe she was pregnant with Giselle. Yes. And they have and so they have a blended family. Tom and, and Bridget have their son Jack. And then there's Ben and Vivian, who are Giselle's biological children. And the three of them all seem really close. Yes. And I don't know if you remember when Tom Brady had, like, his weird Facebook watch series, but he, like, kissed his son on the mouth. I do remember that. And a lot of people thought that was weird. I don't really have an opinion on that. Whatever. But like, there's just, like, a lot of conversation about Tom Brady, the father. One of the most, one of the, like, biggest indications that they were getting divorced was during his, like, weird 11-day hiatus from football during the preseason he was in. He had been at the Bahama, their Bahamas home with um, Giselle, Ben, and Viv, and he flew to the Hamptons for Jack's birthday. And this was portrayed by like the sort of meaner tabloids as like Tom Brady flees Giselle in the bah- the Bahamas. And I'm like, well, he's just going to his son's birthday, so yeah. like back off. And I believe the other two kids went too. Like the three of them actually seem pretty close. And I think I also hate Giselle. But I want to give a lot of credit to Bridget Moynihan and Tom Brady for finding a way to, like, you know, have their son have siblings and and whatever. So my take on this is everyone's bad except for Bridget Moynihan. And perhaps Tom Brady is, like, more of a family man than Giselle would like you to think. Okay. I accept most of that. I, 
I think that it is nice that Tom Brady took the two children to the Hamptons. I mean, flying from the Bahamas to the Hamptons, it's like you, it's we're like, in rarefied space here. Of course. Sounds great. And it is childish of Giselle to just stay alone in the Bahamas uh, and suggest perhaps that things are not what they once were. Yes. Also, I feel that all of the leaks and all the information about this divorce are coming from the Giselle side. Yeah, of course. She is now in the phase of this divorce where she is being photographed outside her lawyer's office or her spiritual healer's office every day. And there is a consistency to the paparazzi and the consistency to Giselle being featured in the paparazzi photos that would suggest that she is, if not coordinating, there is someone at least letting people know. Yes, there is someone... From Team Giselle, not necessarily like in her employ, but just someone on her side or who likes her or whatever, that is making this seem like a Tom Brady problem. And the narrative is that he chose football over family, whereas perhaps he just chose football over Giselle and not because I, I like that's sort of like my point is like, I think father and husband are two different things. And also it sounds like they've had now it's come out. They've had like issues throughout the years. I mean, but like, so does like every marriage as far as I have understand. Right. Yes. So it doesn't actually feel like anything really went wrong here, except for like marriages end and like people get sick of each other. I do also want to point out that Giselle recently did the cover of Elle magazine mm. and there was no peg. I think I honestly thought it was like soft launching the divorce. <laughs> I saw her on the cover of Elle and I was like, hey, so, oh, you guys actually are getting divorced right. and you're just putting your plans in place and reestablishing yourself. And presumably also reestablishing like a financial earnings base that, I mean, Giselle has been working on and off, but she's not the supermodel that she wants. She's, you know, she's been doing other things. She also, I feel, I didn't mean for this to be a I Hate Giselle podcast. I just want to be clear. I also hate Tom Brady for being one of the first people to normalize Donald Trump as a viable candidate for president. So like, let's never forget that. But that said, I also hate Giselle. And I feel like she really cast herself into the role of like, enthusiastic football wife. Like, she was, like, happy to be a wag. Like, you know, for a while, it seemed like that was, like, working for everyone. Right. So I I just feel like I actually have no idea who Giselle actually is, except that I think she seems mean and just, like, very much... (laughs) Maybe that's because she is, like, has... She's Brazilian of of German descent, and so I associate that with her Germanness. But I like just feel like this is all this is everything we know is through the the prism of Giselle's side. I have a counterpoint to that. Okay, and this comes from my household has a lot of sports on, just kind of in the background, and so I don't really pay attention to the sports, but I pay attention to the commercials, or the commercials grab my eye. And the number of commercials that Tom Brady is in right now, Subway, obviously, he's doing Fox Sports for the World Cup, which is, you know, some money washing. We call that sports washing. Sports washing. That's right. That's what I knew there was a term. (laughs) And I was like, it's not money laundering. I got halfway there. (sighs) It would seem to me that Tom Brady knew he was going to be in some financial straits. Yeah, I agree. Very quickly. Now, some of that could be because he was going to retire and then he unretired. And Mm -hmm. so maybe he made all of these advertising commitments before he decided to unretire. And I have also wondered timing wise, whether the conventional narrative is he wanted to keep playing. And so Giselle divorced him Mm -hmm. because she was done with it. I have to wonder whether Giselle divorced him. And then he was like, well, I got nothing better to do. So I'll just like go be a psycho and keep playing football. 
I'm just throwing it out there. It's like, I've got time on my hands. Sure. Why not? Sure. But no matter, you know, the cause and effect, my guy has definitely been shoring up his bank accounts. Yeah. He will do an ad for anything. I, de- I definitely agree with that. I also wonder if there is an element of like wanting to stay famous to that. But yeah, it's like more Tom Brady than I want, obviously. Yeah. Like, I don't want any Tom Brady. Correct. Also, I'm I'm available for all conspiracy theories about his 11-day break during preseason. So, you know, I just I just think this is like so actually regular and the fact that it's become like such a big deal is I'm yeah. just like, okay, these are just two people who are getting divorced. Can we go back to the money for a second? Sure. Though? Because when I see sports figures like this, like he's shilling for anything and mm-hmm. everything. And then we already know that he has he doesn't really have any morals. Morals that you and I can tell. We don't know him personally. But I think about this LeBron the same way. Like, these guys are paid a lot. Like, they have a lot of money. And then I thought they also had, like, the sports endorsements. Like, how much money does one, like, incredibly famous athlete need? Well, need. And where is it going? Well, need is an interesting question. Sure. I want to put LeBron in a different category. Okay. First of all, I think LeBron is richer. He's close to being a billionaire. Also incredibly philanthropic. He... Okay has the LeBron James Family Foundation. He is very active in the school community in Akron, his right, hometown. Right, of course. Yeah, he has the, it's, what's the name of the school? It's like the I Wish Six Academy. I forget the name of it, but he's, he's very philanthropic and he is very aware, I think, of like how. That's a great point. Of how he okay. uses his money. So part of LeBron's riches is his lifetime deal with Nike. So in addition to all the money he's made from playing basketball, He has so much money from Nike and, you know, a lot of other endorsements and just like a lot of other revenue streams. Like Mm -hmm. Spring Hill is his production company. They, you know, like most recently produced the Redeem team. Like he's just doing a ton of shit. And I would say LeBron seems more deliberate and thoughtful about how he's making his money, where he's committing his time and things like that. Tom Brady was one of the first Under Armour athletes, TB12. So I'm sure he has a shit ton of money from them as well. But I just think that he is like, I bet he's philanthropic too, because all these people make get like tax breaks on their philanthropy. So there's like a reason to do it. But he is definitely less invested in both like energy and financially in like being a symbol of something. And I think it's for many reasons easier to hate him. I mean, also for like other things he stands for. But how much money do they need? I mean, I'm sure Tom Brady also has a higher monthly expenses with having i bet i'm sure he gives money to like i'm sure he gives money to support jack his son with bridget moynihan sure. and then money for his two kids with giselle i i just think that like probably yeah they're building like a 30 million dollar yeah you know home in miami on a piece of they, land that's going to be in the ocean in two years they yeah, built and sold it. that crazy house in brentwood yeah. like no. i just think that i think there's less fiscal responsibility and less fiscal deliberation okay i do just i see them a lot and sometimes I'm like, did you really need this check? Like from AT&T, LeBron. Yeah, I mean. I mean, he's just in an AT&T commercial. Like, it's 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 really weird. <laughs> I don't know. That's all I have to say. I just, I think it's very strange. I, and like, I'm sure he's putting it to good use. And I think you're right to separate the two. But sometimes I'm just like, is this really, like today, this is how you wanted to spend your time? I guess so. You know, people are saying Bronny's not as good at basketball as they thought he was going to be. Okay. So maybe he's just worried about his children's future. However. He's so, or LeBron is so rich. So congrats to him. Right. (laughs) Congratulations to him, you know? Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Okay. You know, 
we're, I think while we're on the topic of couples, let's just mention Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. This has been historically a very, a podcast that's very enthusiastic about the the oeuvre of Brad Pitt. Sure. And so I feel we need to discuss all of it. Last week, Angelina Jolie's uh, civil suit against him accused him of some really ugly behavior on this somewhat infamous plane ride in which she says that he choked one of their children, poured a beer on her. Poured beer and red wine on the children. I'm reading from the the filing or from what was released by the New York Times. Grabbed Jolie by the head and shook her. It's incredibly ugly stuff. Yes. He uh, responded via his lawyer saying Brad Pitt won't apologize for things he didn't do. So he's denying these claims and their divorce proceeding is just very ugly. Matt Bellany discusses this on The Town. This latest suit is related to the ownership of Marival, their vineyard in France, which is where they got married. And I actually discussed on Food News because mm-hmm. Angelina Jolie sold her stake in it to a Russian oligarch, the man who owns Stoli, who is also rumored to be a friend of Vladimir Putin. So it's just very layered and complicated. Matt and his guest, Eric, talked a lot about this the legal aspect of it and then sort of came around to like how will this impact their careers. So if you want to hear that conversation, check it out. I would just say like there's, if true, like obviously completely indefensible, but like overall, I would say this is like not even remotely fun to speculate on the way that Giselle and Tom Brady is like a little fun. It's just really ugly. And like, obviously, you know, Brad Pitt's relationship with his kids have, has been discussed over the years, very fraught with some of them, less fraught with mothers. And the whole thing is just like really horrible. Yes, I I concur. I, it's it's ugly and sad. And I was thinking a lot about the day that the news broke mm. of the Brangelina divorce, which we did. We did an emergency jam session. I mean, it was shocking. And it was shocking. And we didn't know what we know. And so we had some of the glee of the Tom Brady and the Giselle of it all. And it is easier to talk about those things when you don't know or, you know, you don't have the reports or the, the speculation. And so I it, probably we should give a tiny bit of thought to what's going on behind the doors. You know, those yeah. two people. I'm not I'm not implying that anything abusive is is going on there. It's just like you never really know. Yeah. But, I, you know, this is ugly. And we have talked a lot about how much you love Brad Pitt. And it's hard to think about him in the same way you can't totally. un- un- I would say things. I, I don't feel that I love Brad Pitt anymore yeah also I think this kind of thing also just speaks to like the nature of celebrity which is what we talk about constantly here but like without this kind of information and just with like the really like classically beautiful face mm-hmm. and good acting of Brad Pitt he's so easy to project a lot of like giddy feelings onto yeah and then like as soon as you humanize people you know that sh- that changes and it's like it's so much about why the celebrity industrial complex exists so that you can project onto these people and why that why Hollywood is stuck in, you know, many retrograde patterns or whatever. Not to get too heady. I mean, it's just like this whole thing is ugly if, if, yeah. if it's all true. So it's just really, it sucks. And the kind of the online war that's already starting yeah. and the discussions and everything now just has echoes of the Johnny Depp Amber Heard Absolutely. stuff in ways that is like really disgusting and upsetting. And you don't want to say that you wish you didn't know these things because that's unfair. Yeah. And, you know, we actually should know what we were talking, what we're talking about when we talk about these things. That's the point of our conversation. But it just 
all become so out of control and so many bad actors and so much grossness that it feels like there's no way to have a productive conversation about it. And it's just sad. Let's move on. Yeah. Happier news. Michaela Cole on the cover of Vogue. She is doing press for Wakanda Forever, which comes out next month. She is in the sequel to Black Panther. But the full movie is the full title is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Mm-hmm. Vogue went with her to Accra, Ghana. She is English of Ghanaian descent. Her father and her grandmother live in Ghana. And it's a pretty, it's a pretty amazing profile. The photos and the videos are like just incredible. And it really speaks to Michaela Cole and like everything that she is. All the quotes about her, like from Winston Duke and from Ryan, Ryan Coogler, are just about like how she's carving her own path. And since we've started talking, we talked about her probably last, like two years ago when her speech at the Edinburgh festival or conference was circulating. And I made to show you was on HBO max. Like she's just doing things her own way. And that, I mean, I think it's like pretty astounding for Vogue who to go to Accra, which is awesome. Yeah. It, and it looks amazing. It's also exciting that she's on the cover. We just root for people that totally. we like to still be on the cover. And honestly, Vogue surprising. Even, yeah. Sh- shouldn't be a surprising choice, but honestly, yes. It's, it may be sort of an outdated metric of celebrity or, you know, and Vogue has gotten a lot of things wrong over the course of its entire history, but it's still cool to see. So that's really exciting. I wanted to talk about how the activity for the celebrity profile is rollerblading. Mm-hmm. Uh, which Michaela Cole is apparently wonderful at and rollerblades a lot. And so she asked the writer, Chiyomanandi, to rollerblade with her. And I would say that the author is less experienced rollerblading. I, I think she mentions that she's more of like a roller skates person than rollerblading, which is, you know, a different weight proposition as well. So I think that's really brave to go roller skating. Unbelievable. And I wanted to share a personal anecdote, which is that I once went ice skating with Margot Robbie for a profile as well. For and I, Tanya? That was, no, actually, this was for Wolf of Wall Street. Wow. Yeah. This Did was, she know that I, Tanya was coming? I don't think so at that point, because I, I want to say it was 2013. But the story I was given is that Margot Robbie, like, played hockey in oh. Australia, which I didn't know they had hockey in Australia, but she was, like, on an amateur team, and she really liked it. And so she was really good. And so they suggested, her team suggested the ice skating as the like activity that you have to do in these celebrity profiles, you know, so you're not just like sitting across the table. And I was so nervous that I actually, I went and practiced. That's ice so skating. funny. That didn't help the practicing. I was awful. And so God bless Margot Robbie, who just like held my hand and like, <laughs> like, like a child took me around the ice skating rink like several times. And then I held to the side while she like actually went and she really legitimately could ice skate. She was awesome. So I, Maybe it's that's a, why she got the Itanya role. I think so. I mean, I think probably some of it, you know, her interest anyway and her ability to play that part had to do with it. It's a boss move suggesting skating of any kind in a profile. And I really respect the people who can do it. Also, one thing that's really cool is, when you read the story online is the author describes Michaela Cole in like this polka dotted outfit as she is skating down the streets of Accra. And then you see video of it. And it's like, wow, she yeah. looks like a, like a superhero yes. like, from a superhero movie. And it like, there's the way that it's embedded into the story. I'm sure this is unintentional, but it worked out nicely. It's like further down where this and like this anecdote is basically the lead. And so it's like a really cool reveal. You're like, oh, right. I read about this. Yes. The other thing I just thought was really, you know, meaningful about this. And I think you can tell that Michaela, this is a, probably an indication to me that Michaela Cole 
who's always been very intentional, will continue to be with the Black Panther press tour. But she talks about how the reason she really wanted the part was because the role that she's playing is a queer Black woman. And she, in the article, talks about how there is legislation on, like, there's legislation on the ballot in Ghana to make identifying as LGBTQ or as an ally, a second degree felony. And as a Ghanaian woman, she was like, I know that Ghanaian people will come see this movie. And mm-hmm. so she wanted to use the opportunity to, you know, kind of like harness her platform in a really specific way. And I thought, uh, obviously, it's really, really notable and also really admirable. And then I was just leafing through Vanity Fair where Lizzo's on the cover. And Lizzo, even more so than Michaela Cole, really foregrounds her experience and like her anger and then her advocacy for abortion rights. And I don't read as many profiles of men, but like those two plus Jennifer Lawrence, like they have all taken the opportunity on the cover now of Elle, Vanity Fair and Vogue to make a political. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just like a really interesting moment. It makes me happy that we still have celebrity profiles, but I'm also just like, can we get some men to weigh in here? Like this, like, why is this only the work of women? And Lizzo had a really, a really important quote that I'll just read about just like, you know, how she, how she feels as a woman in America. And this is her quote. And I just think it's like really worth reading. As a fat black woman, this country has never gone forward. It stayed pretty much the same for me. And that's it. And, and yet she's still like advocating for the, what she believes in and for, you know, equality and equity. And I just think it's like, shouldn't be Lizzo's responsibility. Like, thank thank right. God for Lizzo, but also the fact that, like, this very talented mm-hmm. musician and flautist also has to be, you know, like, a abortion rights activist is so annoying. It's, like, not just annoying, it's frustrating and unfair. It's just, like, let her be great at what she does. Like, let's let's treat her like we were treating Brad Pitt for, like, the previous 25 years. Totally. I was responding both to the appreciation, but also the... It- why do they have to like constantly be doing this? And there is like this burden that Michaela Cole and Lizzo and Jennifer Lawrence, even yeah. to an extent, like that they can't just be on the cover of these things and have like their, you know, laurels and get to be a fancy celebrity cover. They also feel they, they have other issues that they got to use the space for. And I like appreciate that they are using that space totally. and I'm glad. And also it's kind of like, it also how just sucks, you, though. Yeah, but how can you not? Because there is so much going on. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, wouldn't you just like to to, to have this moment for yourself and like look cool and yeah. you know not to have to like represent everyone and on the on the cover of a magazine? So yeah, it's frustrating. And you're right. Like the men do just don't they don't get asked these things no. in the same way. No, they definitely don't. Also, I think with Lizzo calling herself fat, I think is also really important because. It's just sort of like a statement. It's not a judgment. It's not like, uh, you know, Kanye has been attacking her for her weight. And Lizzo is like probably one of the strongest celebrities I think I can like ever recall in terms of like just being herself and responding. And it's just like so grotesque and so unfair. I mean, Kanye is obviously horrible right now. I don't even think that's like a problematic thing to say. Yeah. And, you know, I I just think it's like uh, it's unfair for these woman celebrities that they also have to like stand for so much and represent for so much and like take space away in these articles from just talking about their accomplishments to also talk about politics. And I really am grateful for them. And I also like, you know, it sort of reminds me of 
the second wave, the personal is political, which is still true. But I also just think it's such such an unfair double standard. Yes, it is. Also, Lizzo, there was something about James Madison. Yes. Which is like one of those things where you log on in the morning and you see a bunch of people who you just know are affiliated with corners of the internet that I don't want to be a part of complaining about Lizzo playing James Madison's flute. And you're just like, why, why did I wake up this morning? I'd be like, what are, what are we doing? Like leave Lizzo alone. Also, like, can you please like go find something? What on earth? Let's let Lizzo address it in her own words because she did. And I will say this, uh, this two months after this interview with Lizzo is from July. What you're referring to is recently Lizzo played James Madison's crystal flute and the right wing like got really mad about this because of racism i mean i have some questions about a crystal flute number one and then number two james mad i didn't know that that was part of james madison's life but whatever (laughs) i'm just gonna read this this short short half of a graph from vanity fair okay two months after this interview she played the 200 year old crystal flute that has been owned by president james madison she played at the library of congress and on stage at her washington dc concert and was thrilled that she made history Quote, when people look back at their crystal flute, they're going to see me playing it, close quote. Lizzo tells me, quote, they're going to see that it was owned by Jane Madison, but they're going to see how far we've had to come for someone like me to be playing it at the nation's capital. And I think that's a cool thing. I don't want to leave history in the hands of people who uphold rep- oppression and racism. My job as someone who has a platform is to reshape history, close quote. And that's great. Lizzo is awesome. That's fantastic. I, I like her music, but I like love her as a person. Yeah. She's I have, awesome. I have no notes on that response. I have a lot of notes <laughs> on everything that led up to that quote. And that's a fantastic quote. It really is. I mean, she's the type of celebrity. She and Michaela Cole are so smart and so, and again, like intentional that like mm-hmm. that we benefit more from their fame than I think like they do from being famous, honestly. So I appreciate them. And I, and you know, I, I just think that like, I would like a man to address mm-hmm. politics like this in their profiles. Because, like, someone, you know, rich like Michaela Cole and Lizzo, they'll be able to get abortions. They'll figure it out. Right. So, like, it's, it's you know, as a woman, maybe they feel it more viscerally, but, like, they will be able to figure it out. So I also would like for a man who, you know, who's rich, who would be able to figure it out to sure. get involved. Yes. So I would also love it for Michaela Cole and Lizzo to be able to, you know, play a crystal flute or yeah. do whatever they want to do without having to deal with all the nonsense that comes with it. Yeah. Okay. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts, not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. 
They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Next, Adele. I wanted to check in on her. Okay. She's doing the residency, Amanda. When we last discussed her, I was <laughs> never thought this was going to happen, but she's defied me. She's defied my expectations. The Las Vegas residency begins soon. And right. Okay. So you don't know yet that no. she's doing it. Because no, last time... True. We got very close. <laughs> it was like three days beforehand and like the, you know the stage with the cellos or whatever wasn't to her liking. What was it? She didn't like the like lagoon that was on stage. She said it looked like a a, a pond. Yeah. And so it was a stage design (laughs) problem. But now it's presumably they've had more time to figure it out. And, uh, We'll see how it goes. So I just like, did she think it was going to look like a lagoon? I don't know. It's I think she said in, it was like a like a, an indoor water feature. Like it's a pond. That's, it's also Vegas. Yeah. I don't know. I just I just wanted to mention that she was pursuing this still. Okay. So is your money on this is happening? I think it's happening now. Okay. I do. I don't think Adele, a businesswoman, would allow this to not happen twice. That would be like, how do you come back from that? I mean, I agree, but so you I know. don't think Rich Paul would be happy about that either. A businessman. Sure, but he's a businessman who has a history of people just not showing up to work. For long periods of time. For extremely long periods of time. Doesn't look like Ben Simmons got better at basketball in yeah. his time off. Okay. Anyway. I wanted to mention that Rita Ora's house is featured in Architectural Digest. What a journey it's been with Rita Ora. <laughs> like over the last 10 years. That's true. She went from like middling British pop star to internet joke to now maybe married to Taiko Watiti. His- I believe so. I think they're married. They're being coy about it. Yeah. And her house was nice. And I just feel like she, this is like a real, I think this is like a triumph. I'm just like, she overcame the hate. Also, I think she was like the subject of a lot of rumors of like Jay-Z cheating with her or someone else cheating with her. There was just a lot of like hate, unsubstantiated hate directed mm-hmm. Rita Ora's way. I happen to like her tunes, so <laughs> I don't, I'm cool with her. I appreciated the amount of original details that she mm-hmm. kept in the Victorian era London home that she renovated. And is now clearly like trying to sell. Like, no offense. That's, I mean, this is a classic. She I, must be moving to California. Yeah, my home will be Where in. Where does Tyco live? I assume LA, right? Uh, yeah, and I would assume that also they spend time in New Zealand, in New Zealand or Australia. Australia. And I assume they like a film a lot in Australia. I know that's where Thor's, they film yeah. Thor, Love and Thunder. Um, yeah. 
it seems like that'll be sold, but that's fine. It looks nice in the meantime. She like kept all the she kept like some original glass. Yeah, she it's kept a nice like house. the cabinetry. It's in London. You know. Here's the thing about these old English homes. Mm-hmm. They're really old. I'm just like, yeah. The maintenance of them's gotta be hard. Yeah, I think that's true. Though, you know, they always say the old homes like they've built them with sounder materials. That's true. You know, if that's they've true. made it this far, then there's something positive about it. I, I think part of the issue specifically with British old homes is that you just have all like the National Trust stuff. You can't yeah, change you can't thing. change things. Yeah. Which is nuts. Yeah. I'll never recover from Sienna Miller's home. Like I, I, <laughs> I think about it all the time. So. <laughs> all right. Lastly. Mm-hmm. Some personal pop culture news. Amanda, take it away. Yeah, I just have a lot of things that I wanted to share with you. And these are all things that I've found myself at 9.30 West Coast time wanting to text you. And I know you're going to be... 9.30 p.m.? A- yeah. Oh, okay. And that's so too, I know you're asleep and I'm not going to get a response. And the next morning response, you do your best, but it's not the same. So... Well, it's usually because I respond too early. It's like I've, yeah. I've immediately woken up. I need time same. to process. Me too. Yeah. Of course. Right. If you get that instant check your phone before you even put your contacts in from me response you either get like two words yeah or i read the email and i forget it ever Don't, happened yeah, I and i respond. really so i just put these in the document so i could tell you about them okay i did text you a little bit about this <laughs> julia roberts maybe you've heard of her she has a film coming out later this month with george clooney ticket to paradise really can't wait haven't seen it yet cleared my schedule i'm a little nervous because they have not let me know about screenings yet it's not a great sign but whatever I'm going to go see it. I'm excited. So I've been re-watching Julia Roberts movies because we're going to do a Julia Roberts episode on the big picture. Big news. So the other night, I was just browsing what was available. Mona Lisa's smile was on HBO Max. I was like, I don't have a lot of... I, I don't think this is very good, but I'll check out 20 minutes. You know, I saw this at the time and then I'll keep going. I watched the whole thing. This is a preposterous movie featuring possibly one of the best casts in movie history. Let me read it to you. Julia Roberts, Kirsten Dunst, Julia Stiles, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Jennifer Goodwin, Marcia Gay Harden, your guy, Dominic West, who will come up later, Topher Grace, Evan Moss Backrock is in this, which I didn't remember. Kristen Ritter, you can like barely see her in one of the classrooms. She doesn't even get to speak, I don't think. You've, you've John Slattery. I'm going to say, don't skip the iconic silver fox of our lifetime. I won't. John Slattery, <laughs> who Julia Roberts is in cross-continental re- relationship with until she's not. Julia Roberts is so wildly miscast in this movie that is so preposterous. Do you remember the plot? I believe she's a professor or a teacher at a girls' school. Yeah. No, she comes to Wellesley in the 50s, and she's an art historian, and she's breaking all the rules. And so these Wellesley girls who are just there to get Harvard husbands are challenged to see beyond the... Yeah. Well, it doesn't really work out for them. Kirsten Dunst is the mean girl who bullies Julia Roberts out of a job, but then, you know, learns some personal lessons. Julia Stiles is ostensibly the lead of this movie and has her character has one of the most puzzling like life revelations I've ever seen. I've never believed in Julia Stiles. I have to say she looks astonishingly lovely in this movie as like the 50s Wellesley girl with a little page boy haircut and the makeup and like not an idea in her head, which is sort of what happens. She winds up married to Topher Grace and she doesn't go to Yale Law School because she just wants to make dinner for Topher Grace. That is the lesson that we learned from Julia Stiles' character in Mona Lisa Smile. I, I think, and then Julia Roberts' character is supposed to accept that like women want like different paths, you know? So if that's <laughs> the right path for Julia Stiles, it's completely 
baffling. I, I'll show the Julia Stiles tip. She has two roles that I actually think are good. One is like her very small role in the Bourne movies. Sure, which, yeah, she's like, really good in it. Yeah, yeah, because it's a small role. Yeah. And then she also was excellent in one season of Dexter, which okay. which like no one probably remembers except for like me and Ben Lindbergh. But, I don't. But like she was the most grossly miscast person after 10 Things I Hate About You. Like mm-hmm. she is not a leading lady. She's so horrible in Save the Last Dance. I, I can't. I mean, I'll, I'll never recover from that. She's are you saying that she was dancer. bad in 10 Things I Hate About You? No, she was good. But that's an ensemble movie that she was really held up by the other people around her, namely generational talent, Heath Ledger. Sure. So, and an iconic performance. I, I, she was good in it. And she gives the She has one really final good poem. scene. She, okay, she has two really good scenes. The final right. scene, the final poem, and Dancing on the Table. Yeah, come on. That, yeah, but that's it. And then she's in many more other scenes. Like, okay. I would never believe that she would do paintball and have fun. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> I can't believe you watched this movie. I just want to share one more thing, which is there's like a really like a turning point scene where Julia Roberts gets all of the women or the young Muslim women out of the classroom and they go to see a Jackson Pollock painting before because it's like contemporaneous. That's when Jackson Pollock is is painting and it's like before it's installed in a museum or whatever. And they all just like crowd around and the Jackson Pollock is unveiled. And then she's like, your assignment is just you don't have to like it, but you have to consider it. And then she just like walks away. And then you just film like two full <laughs> minutes of the close up of each of these women just like staring Looking at this Jack- Jackson Pollock painting. It's preposterous. I had the best time of my life okay. alone on a Friday night watching it. Okay. I'm just trying to think about my favorite Julia style. I mean, my favorite Julia Roberts movie, but like it's obviously Ocean's Eleven, honestly. Your favorite is Ocean's Eleven? Over, I'm sorry, Pretty Woman and Notting Hill? I know you're not oh, my yes. best friend's wedding person. I, li- I do like my best friend's wedding, except for the ending, obviously. I guess I choose Notting Hill over Ocean's Eleven, but those are my top two, more than Pretty Woman. My husband at dinner the other night tried to posit that George Clooney has been in more better, like more good movies than Julia Roberts. It's false. I cleaned the floor with him it's on that one. Very like false. there is nothing that you can tell me, even if George Clooney made every single I'm his number one fan. Exclusively worked and with I, the Coens. Yeah. No. Those are all minor works. You cannot tell me that anyone really had a better run than Pretty Woman, My Best Friend's Wedding, and Notting Hill. Those are like three stone Notting cold Hills. classics. No, Notting Hill's wonderful. You're yeah. right. That's my favorite Julia Roberts movie, okay. but I think Ocean's Eleven's number two. I mean, and it's great. She doesn't get to do as much as Clooney. Yeah, of but, course. Who does? And also don't forget Ocean's 12 if you want to talk about Julia Roberts. I know. Tess, yeah. Tess yeah. playing Julia she, Roberts. Right, yeah. and she gets so excited about Bruce Willis. Yeah. And then it's just like, Tallulah forgot her SpongeBob. You're the top. You're Ocean's the top, 12 fan? Th- yeah. I am. I'm the number one Ocean's 12 yes. fan on the planet Earth. Yeah. I, I wasn't in four weddings and a funeral. It's really good. <laughs> okay. Next up, another thing that I watched. So, I again, I was watching Eat, Pray, Love for, for this podcast. Man, I have a lot of thoughts never about saw Eat, that. Pray, Love for another day. I'll watch it, actually. I never read the book because Nor it I. came out... I don't read memoirs. Okay. Well, I also... It came out in 2006 when I was graduating college, so I didn't need to read a... No offense. Didn't need to read a book about... a you know, 40-something white woman rediscovering herself, like, through chance or whatever. Can't believe that that was, like, a whole thing. She wasn't, it wasn't through chance. It was eating her way through one place, praying her way through another, and loving her place through a third. Well, the praying, the chants were part of the (laughs) praying, okay? I don't know. I haven't read the book or seen the movie. I've watched some (laughs) of the movie. Whatever. It was on, it it was free with commercials, which is just my least favorite way to watch a movie. I get so upset. I I will watch commercials on TV, but in a streaming experience, I become like consumed with anger. Yeah. Just absolutely sucks. irate. But I was stuck there 
because I wasn't going to pay $3.99 for Eat, Pray, Love and then expense it, you know, and it's like a five-step process. So I find myself watching a commercial for uh, starring Lily James for Only Natural Diamonds. Have you gotten this? Do you know about this? No, no. Okay. I didn't know about this either. So apparently Lily James is not the first face of Only Natural Diamonds. Anna Armas did Only Natural Diamonds last year, but I assume, so this is the, quote, Diamond Council. Oh, I didn't Lobbying know that existed. organization cool. has rebranded itself to fight against the rise of lab-grown diamonds. Okay. By hiring Lily James to run around in a ball gown and just say the phrase only natural diamonds for like a minute at a time. And I found this craven on a number of levels, including like, I understand they got to protect their market against lab-grown diamonds. Are you up on lab-grown diamonds? No, I just thought this was like a blood diamond thing. Right. So they basically are defending blood diamonds, but they're like, they're trying to rebrand as natural, natural diamonds as like sustainable, like responsible diamonds. I think I'd be happy with a lab grown diamond. I really would like a lab grown diamond for what, a like a necklace. Three, a 3D printed diamond or something like that? Yeah, basically. And it, but it's, it, it, I think not technically, but like, what's the, like, what's the word for biologically? It's like pretty much the same thing. They just sure. kind of recreate it, but you aren't allowed to. When they sell it, it they have to say it like a white sapphire or something, whatever. But it's... I think I am not picky on my diamonds. I'm not. I'm accepting all diamonds. There is a specific, like, tennis necklace, lab-grown diamond that Hailey Bieber wore once that is relatively affordable. You know, it's not $10,000, like, quote-unquote, natural diamonds that I would really like for Christmas if someone could let my family know. You know, I'm glad you mentioned her, by the way. She's... Let's just... Throw her into someone who's using her platform for good. She last week like did a whole bunch of press about voting based on abortion rights. Mm-hmm. So yeah, good. Yeah, at least uh, that uh, you know I'm th- I'm grateful to all these gals. Sure. But let's get a man. Thanks. I, I agree with that. And I, on the flip side, Lily James, like, what are we doing? <laughs> you know, just being like, sure, blood, uh, blood diamonds that cost like eight million dollars. Lab grown diamonds are still incredibly expensive. I'm just doing a, a Google here. Sure. Also, no, sorry, but just back to Lily James. Will she ever be a serious actress? Like, does she have a chance? Like, I think Pam and Tommy was her best chance yeah. to like transition, and I just don't, I just don't see it happening for her. It's too bad. She's charming. She's charming, and she's also taken a lot of projects that you and I have interest in, but yeah. that, and I think like that women, frankly, have interest in, but that men like refuse to take seriously. So again, that's kind of messed up. So maybe we should take her seriously, but I don't know about taking money from the diamond lobby. You know, that's where I am. Yeah. There's just something I just, about her that's, like, frivolous. Just the number of times also that they said only natural diamonds <laughs> was, like, really astonishing. Um, anyway, I just just wanted to mention it. Last thing that I've been watching, The Empress. Yes. So I get my Netflix screeners through the account that I share with my brother. So when I sh- logged into his profile, it was in English. And I was like, the preview was in English. And I was like, awesome, I'm going to watch this. And then I go to my profile and I was like, oh no, that was just dubbing. And so I haven't had the mental wherewithal to really fully commit to this show. I will not watch dubbing, obviously. Of course not. But it's number two on Netflix. Like Netflix is pushing it. Well, I guess they're not pushing it. It just like seems like it took off in one country and now it's traveling around the world. Yeah. Like it seems good. Should I get into it? I'm enjoying it. So it's being described as the German crown. Mm-hmm. Even though the empress, the titular empress, is Austrian. Okay. And, but it's in German, right? Because that's right. the language that they speak. So it's about Empress Elizabeth of Austria. Okay. Who I have to say I didn't know anything about. That's I never heard of her. And it's set in the 1850s and 60s. I think it's 
you know, mid 19th century okay. is where we're starting as she becomes the empress of the holy Habsburg empire. Mm. Gotta be honest, did a lot of half like Wikipediaing. I'm thinking of my AP Euro class from 10th grade. Totally. And I remember something about the Holy Roman empire. And then sure. I remember something about the Habsburgs and things are like changing a lot. And obviously ultimately then it starts. World Great War class. One. If you're a teen, which no teens listen to this podcast. Yeah. It's Great true. class. I, I did. Really, I mean, it's definitely Eurocentric, but the Euro knowledge is very important for this show. Yeah. And I got to be honest, I don't have all of the details at my grasp right now. And I think they're probably simplifying some of it. But no. anyway, mid 19th century in Austria, you got an emperor. He's young and hot. You got a young. I think she's a duchess before she gets married. She's young and hot. They get married. You know, other people at the court are scheming. Napoleon's knocking at the door on one side. The Tsar in Russia is knocking on the door at the other side. They got to build a railroad. You know, it's a little, it does not have the heft of Peter Morgan's writing mm -hmm. and or historical analysis, really. And I think also the fact that I don't know anything besides like what I remember from my flashcards in high school it means that I can't engage with it on a like historical or intellectual level. I don't really think it's meant for that. It is Netflix is half marketing and it's the crown and half marketing it as Bridgerton. Mm. And it's not as sexy as Bridgerton, though. I did watch a sex scene last night. So nice. It was, it was an okay sex scene. Okay. It, yeah. I'm having a nice time. Okay. It's, <laughs> it's not quite the crown, but like I'm enjoying it and I find myself wanting to watch it every night. You know? Cool. Yeah. Okay, great. My note is that we really got to work on CGI crowd scenes. They just look so fake. And that's not just the, the Empress or Netflix, like Apple's Ted Lasso scenes. Like I just, I understand we can't film real crowd scenes anymore, both like pandemic wise. Sure. Are they and crown? Crowd. No, crowd. Like you know, a, like, like yeah. people, you know, yeah. cheering at the wedding or whatever. That's the fakest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. So it's just a continuing note for me. The other note that I would like to make that is related is that the real crown, the television show, The Crown, written by Peter Morgan, is coming back to Netflix in November. So it will be season five, which will be focusing on the 90s and the dissolution of then Prince Charles and Princess Diana's marriage. So you all have exactly one month to read The Diana Chronicles by Tina Brown if somehow you have made it this far into this podcast <laughs> Without doing and so. have never read that book. It's it really is a good. great read and it will be germane to your watching. So one month, you guys could do it. I've heard the audiobook is great. Yeah. I mean, I loved Pal's Paper. So yeah. it's, if it's Tina, go for it. My final note is you have two days to watch nine episodes of Bad Sisters before the finale comes to oh, Apple yeah. on I'm Thursday. Caught up. I'm caught up. I'm caught up. Isn't it just a great show? It's so delightful. Last week, I thought I only had one more episode and then I had two because I thought it it's, was an eight season, eight yeah. episode run. Anyway. It's a little, it's like a few, maybe one or and a half episodes too long yeah. this season, but it's great. It's a great time. Love it. Daryl McCormick, we see you. We know you're going to do great things in the future. Congrats on the huge 2022. Yeah. And... That's all we got this week. A plus stuff. Thanks so much for I listening. I didn't think it was weird to see you in person, just so you know. <laughs> Thanks, Amanda. Thanks to Jade Whaley for producing this episode. We'll be back next week.
This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.